0: All right. Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Everybody excited to continue our series on spiritual warfare? I know that I am. And so welcome. I want to just say another welcome to visitors, newcomers. If you haven't been here for a while, or maybe this is your first time, uh, I want to take just a second and kind of catch you up on where we are. Um, First of all, We are in, as Pastor Gabe said, we are in a a series on spiritual warfare. The reason that God burdened my heart to teach on spiritual warfare is because there's so much misunderstanding on what spiritual warfare is, how to fight it, what our weapons are, what it really means, what the enemy can do, what he can't do, all these sorts of things. There's so much misunderstanding. And one of the primary tools of the devil is when we have misunderstanding or disagreements or incomplete information as a Christian. As a Christian, we've been empowered by Jesus. We've given every single tool that we need to fight this spiritual battle. But like any tool, especially any weapon, if you don't use it properly, it can create more problems than it can solve sometimes. And so my goal and my heart for this is to make sure as a body of believers that we're on the same page, first of all, and that we have correct information. What we can and can't do in the spiritual realms, where our authority lies, all these different things. And this is why... I want to teach this series. This is why we've been going through this. So I want to urge you, if you've missed any of the previous, this is number four in our series. If you've missed any of the previous ones, you can go back. You can catch them through our website, discovercommunity.church, and just click on on the website and listen to them right through there. We also podcast on Google Play and iTunes. You can catch them there. But catch up, because a little bit of information can be a dangerous thing. We need to have the whole picture. And so without uh, further ado, let's get into it. Again, we're talking about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare at its base level is a war between good and evil. Really, you can boil it down to a war between good and evil. Good is represented by our Father God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. That's that's good. And then they have a supporting army of angels that help them in, in their battles serve them, help them. Then there's the other side, the side of darkness, and that is represented by Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, whatever name you want to call him, and his demons. Okay, angels and demons are the same thing. They're not two separate created creatures. They were all created as angels with the intention of serving God and serving us. That's what they were made for. But through pride, Satan fell. Satan rose up in pride, thinking he could be equal to or even greater than God, and he fell then. And he took one third of the angels with him, and they became what we call demons. And so, this is where the battle lies. Now, the Lord knew from the very beginning that this was going to happen. And so, we've been equipped, specifically through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, to fight this spiritual battle, this ongoing battle. And if you don't think that the entirety of the Bible is really about spiritual warfare, then you probably haven't been paying enough attention. Because from the very beginning, it's been all about spiritual warfare. Then obviously going all the way up to the the penultimate battle in in, uh, Revelation. So, the scripture that I want to use, and I read this scripture every single time, but I think it's important. It's 1 Peter 5.8. And most of you have heard it, but it says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, I start every single message with that scripture because it's important. It's important to realize that there is a devil, there is an adversary, and he prowls around all the time looking for ways he can get at you. And when it says something, someone to devour, that's what he's looking for. You know, biblically, yes, they were, they were alluding to lions who would prey on the, on the sheep and the strays in the, in the flock. But what, the, what he's trying to do with us is he's literally trying to come against everything Father God ever wanted for us. God's purposes and plans for you and everything that he had for you, the enemy spends every moment trying to steal that. And so we are in a battle every single day. So last week, as we were going through, we're talking about the pieces of armor, the things that we have to both defend ourselves and to be on the attack when it comes to spiritual warfare. So last week we were in Ephesians chapter six, eleven. This is the this is the chapter or the section that talks about the armor of God, right? Many people have heard teachings on the armor of God. Last week we really specifically focused uh, on chapter six talked about put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So remember though, these schemes of the devil, schemes plural, means he'll come at you from different directions, from different angles all the time. It's never just what you see. He's always coming at you several different ways and so we need to be on guard against this. And these schemes, although they take place in multiple realms, these schemes really largely take place in your mind. It's a battle for your very thoughts, your emotions, your will. That's what the enemy is trying to win over, because if he can win over your mind and your thoughts, he can completely derail you from what God has for you. And quite literally, you will take yourself out of the fight. If he can lie to you and get you to believe his lies. So this week, we're going to focus really more closely on that final piece of the armor. If you remember that last verse in the armor of God, talked about uh, the sword of the spirit. And it says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I'll talk more about that in just a second. But that's what we're going to look at. The sword of the spirit, but specifically how prayer is the key to unlocking the power. That is within that sort of the spirit. So, if I ask you in regards to prayer, what you picture? If I say, "What does prayer look like to you?" Most people would probably say, "Prayer, prayer is peaceful. It's contemplative. You you sit under a tree and you and you and you meditate and it's quiet and you yeah. This is what our days all look like, right? If a, I spend all my days doing that." But for the most part, we think of it as a peaceful or kind of a meditative sort of a a pursuit. But what I want to teach you here today is that prayer can be that. But prayer can also bring the very power of God, the creator of the universe, to bear upon the devil. And when we talk about spiritual warfare, that's what we're going to be talking about here today. So prayer can be anything but peaceful in those circumstances. But prayer helps us in this fight, this deception that the enemy always throws at us. So the first scripture I have is Philippians 4, 6, 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so for the most part, this is a scripture that, again, Most of us have probably heard in one context or another. Most of us have probably heard teaching on it. So I'm not going to really go into this, except I want to point one thing out to you. Now, if you're new here, um, you'll notice that you also get these free Greek lessons that I throw in every now and then because it's important to understand the fullness and the richness of Scripture. And you can't always get that if you just read the English words, our approximation of the idea. And sometimes they're a little bit off. In this case, I want to point out in verse 7, the peace of God. What is the peace of God? Again, we think of that, this overwhelming calmness, the supernatural calmness in the face of a storm, the, the calmness that allowed Jesus to fall asleep in the bottom of the boat while, the, while all of his disciples were freaking out that they were going to sink and be killed. We think of that as the calmness of God, but it's deeper than that. That word peace Translates as irony, not irony, irony. And in the Greek, it means wholeness and oneness with God. So prayer allows us to be at one with God, to be at one with His very thoughts and with His very heart. And that oneness with God is the key to guarding our hearts guarding our hearts and minds, which is what the enemy is after. Being one with God is what will guard your heart and protect you against what the enemy throws at you. So let's back up one more step and let's ask even what is prayer? Because there's a lot of misunderstanding about that too, right? So what is prayer? Again, everybody has a, has a picture, has an image of what prayer is, Billy Graham says that prayer is simply talking with God. It's just talking with God. Doesn't involve any special ceremonies or any special, you have to have have some special equipment for it or a special place. There are things that can facilitate that, certainly, but at its base level, prayer is simply talking to God. But did you know that that word prayer, in Greek, again, is is prosyke? Prosuke means an exchange with God. It's an exchange with God. And more accurately, in context, you exchange your desires for his desires as he imparts them by faith. Get this again. Prayer is you exchange your desires for his desires as he imparts them to you by faith. Which brings up another question. What does imparts by faith mean? Anybody else thinking that? Sure, imparts by faith. Okay, got it. What does that mean, imparts them by faith? Let me explain it to you. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans that we, that we just recently talked about. Romans chapter 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Has anybody else ever read that and gone, that sounds kind of bulky? That, the way that that sentence flows doesn't exactly make Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I've read that before and I'm going, ah, I don't necessarily get that. But when you really tear it down, what it's saying, faith, remember, faith is hearing from God. Faith is hearing from God. So you must first hear of Christ before you can hear from Christ. This is what this is saying. You must first hear of Christ before you can hear from him. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So this is what he's talking about when he says imparts them by faith. That word hearing, or I'm sorry, the word the Word of Christ Remember, there's several different types of the Word. You can have, you can have this. This is the Word. right? Even if it's on your phone, it's still the Word. Okay? One of the names for Jesus Christ is the Word. Okay? So the Word comes in many forms. What this is talking about specifically, hearing by the Word of Christ is rhema. It's another one of those Greek words. And rhema is not the written word. Rhema is the spoken word of God directly to you. So when you hear of Christ because you have first heard from Christ, spoken into your heart, that's where faith comes from. And that's how we can have the faith to accomplish everything else that God calls us to do. So as an example... As an example, we got Matthew 17, verses 19 and 20. Now, there's a little context here. The disciples have been out trying to drive out demons and things in, in Jesus' name. And they're having some success, but in this case, limited success, okay? They weren't able to do it. So then, of course, Jesus comes in, and he, and he, and he does it for them. He drives out the demon. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? And he, meaning Jesus, said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. These are are the disciples who have been traveling with Jesus. They should have some pretty good faith, right? Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is really tiny, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. What he's saying to them is, I didn't tell you to do that. You went and did it because you thought it was a good idea. You knew that it's one of the things that we've been doing. But in that particular case, you just thought, hey, let's go do this. You didn't hear from me. If you have faith, so even if you hear the slightest, tiniest whisper from the Holy Spirit into your heart saying, do this, that's where this kind of faith comes from. If the Holy Spirit whispers to you in that still small voice and says, I want you to raise that pile of bones from the dead right now, that's all you need. You pray that prayer in faith, having heard direction from God, and it will happen. That's the kind of faith he's talking about here. That's the kind of faith that just unlocks the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful in all of its forms, but when you're talking about that kind of supernatural, miraculous prayer... You need to hear from God and direct your prayers accordingly. So that's where we are. So John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Very, very commonly abused scripture. Very commonly abused scripture. People say, whatever you ask for, you'll get it. It's like a magic ATM or, or, you know, Whatever you ask for, it'll be done. That's not what he is saying here. What he's literally saying here is if your prayers originate in the renewed mind of Christ, the renewed mind that we receive when we receive the Holy Spirit, we also receive that renewed mind of Christ. If your prayers originate in that place, you're not trying to talk God into anything. You're fulfilling his plan to use you. So when you pray through that renewed mind, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, words again, Rhema, if he has spoken it to you, ask whatever, and it will be done. And that's key. We need to understand that. There's a lot that we need to know about prayer. We could teach an entire summer's worth of series on prayer specifically. We are going to focus really on the aspect of spiritual warfare, Okay, I'm going to touch on the others, but there's so much we need to know that there's no way we're going to fit it into one service. It's going to be tight as it is, right? Those of you who saw Secret Church with us, anybody here come to the Secret Church event that we did? Yeah, six hours of teaching from David Platt, who speaks just about as fast as an auctioneer, <laughs> and if you blink, you literally miss a chapter, um, and he didn't cover it all, so I'm not even going to try. But we're going to look at the role of prayer in spiritual warfare. So the sword of the spirit, the word of God, again, that's that rhema word spoken to you. It's, only, it's our only offensive weapon. All the other parts of the armor of God are meant to be defensive, to protect you against the schemes of the enemy. But specifically, the word of God, that's our offensive weapon. But prayer as an offensive weapon is actually a fairly new thing in the, in the scheme of things. It's a fairly new thing for us to be able to use. Let me show you, actually, let me ask you a question. Does anybody know what the first mention or first allusion to prayer in the Bible is? What did I hear? I heard somebody say it. Hmm? David, okay, that's one. Anybody else? Okay. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, okay, verses 9 through 13. Now, I'm not going to put this on the screen because it's kind of long. I want you to listen to this exchange. Just listen to the exchange here. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, he, the man, said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. What do you notice there? That's another message. That's marriage counseling for the two of you. That is, I have office hours on Tuesdays and Thursdays. (laughs) For any of you of those that were, yeah. No, what that means, what I wanted you to see in there was the back and forth. It was just the exchange. It wasn't them falling to their face and saying, oh, holy Lord, we beseech thee to, it wasn't any of that. It was just a conversation. It was an intimate type of back and forth conversation that you would have with your best friend or with your father that is the kind of intimacy of conversation that Father God had for us from the beginning. And what happens? It's the very first place the enemy goes to attack. He uses that against them. And then we know, of course, that through that disobedience, through that sin, then we were separated from God. We couldn't have that intimacy of conversation anymore. So the enemy, he fired the first shot in that battle. And it was a pretty successful shot. But that's not where it ends. Coincidentally, or, or coincidentally, but by the way, the first use of the of, of the word actually prayer, right, in the Bible, was in 1 Samuel when Hannah is praying over Samuel. Okay, and she says, For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition for which I asked of him. So at that time, she didn't hear from God, she prayed. Unless you were a prophet or somebody special like that, you didn't hear from God, okay? But you could pray, and then you could watch for the results. You could watch for answered prayers. See, under the old covenant, you could pray to God. Under the new covenant, we hear from God. And that's important. That's important. You have to know God's voice before you can recognize what isn't. And therein lies the battle. The enemy wants to make you think his voice, his thoughts are from God, and they're not. And the only way you can know that is by recognizing God's voice. If you can recognize God's voice, if you know his plan for you, you can recognize detours to that plan. If you know his truth, you can recognize lies. And you can bring the very power of heaven down to earth if you recognize God's voice. So, Ultimately, prayer, like I said before, prayer is not always a peaceful pursuit. When we pray according to the Spirit, when we pray according to the Spirit, meaning what God speaks to us, when we pray that way, we're bringing the very power of God to bear upon the enemy. And that is a powerful thing. That is a powerful weapon for warfare. So that being the case, like I said, if you don't know how to use a weapon, it can be dangerous, and it can, in fact, be used against you. So let's talk a little bit about how you know when and how you know how to pray. Now, I'm not here to put a whole bunch of parameters and put religion around our prayer and say, okay, you have to do it like this, okay? It's a conversation between you and God, but there's appropriate times for certain types and kinds of conversation is what I'm saying here. So There are several different kinds of prayer. First of all, prayer is a spiritual discipline. The word in several places says, when you pray. It's not if you feel like it, when you get around to it someday, maybe if you feel like praying. It says specifically, when you pray. It's something that we are, as Christians, expected to do. So there are prayers of spiritual discipline The first type, which is intercessory. That's prayer on behalf of others. You're praying for others. And that's modeled in a couple places. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. That's intercessory prayer. They don't even know that you're praying for them, and you're going to pray for them. Luke 22, 31, 32. I'll just read that one to you. Says, Simon, Simon. Now he's talking about Peter here, Simon, Peter. This is after they've been arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, come back to your own senses, have strengthened your brothers. So this is Jesus praying. For Simon Peter. Okay, so we are to do that. Sometimes they'll know you're praying for them, sometimes not, but it's not about them. It's about you and this discipline of praying for others, praying on their behalf. Then there's prayers of communion or prayers of thanksgiving. Again, another one of the disciplines that we are just simply to do. Prayers of thanksgiving or communion, these are the ones that we pray all day, all the time. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, 18 says, Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. These are those all-day, all-the-time prayers. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for the job that I have. Thank you for the lunch that I just ate. Thank you for the fact that I didn't get hit by that car as I was just getting ready to cross the street. It's a constant running thankfulness to what Father God has done for you and what he continues to do for you. Then the last type there, that last type of of discipline prayer is supplication, which is literally just lifting up your, your needs. Lifting up your needs to him. And what that is, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He wants to know what you want. Okay, first of all, he already knows what you want. He wants you to know that you know what you want. And lift those up to him. He wants those kinds of prayers. Those are our spiritual discipline prayers that we do all the time. Then there are certain prayers that we do as we gather together as a body. You can go ahead and take that one down. Then there's corporate prayers, sometimes known as prayers of agreement. This is when we come together as a body. Acts 2.42 says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Okay, this is just what we do when we gather together as a body. We pray for one another. We pray for the country. We pray for all kinds of things together in agreement as a body, that we stand together. And these are things, again, this, this happened right after Pentecost. This is what we're supposed to do. Again, another one of those kind of discipline prayers, but for a specific time, specific place. Then we get into the next section, which is spiritual warfare prayers. And this is where I want to spend a little bit more time. First of all, when we pray in spiritual warfare, our language is important. It is important that we pray the right way. Okay, The spiritual realm operates on a specific set of rules, legal rules, if you will. The enemy has no reason to respond to our demands to him if they're not based on what the word of God says our authority is. We have authority in Christ, and I'm going to teach a message in a couple weeks specifically about our authority in Christ over the spiritual realms. But we need to be careful because Satan will look for loopholes. He's the master of looking for loopholes. He's the master of looking for little secret passages in, little chinks in the armor, little ways that he can get to you. And if you leave him an opening, he's going to take it. And so what does this look like? We can command and demand an outcome of our prayers, but only if God has told us to. If God has spoken to you and said, raise that pile of dry bones from the dead... We can command that to happen, and in his authority, it will happen because he's told us it will. But when we make those kinds of commands and demands not based on what God has spoken to us, the enemy can now use those. They can use those against us. We need to be careful. So if somebody asks you, they come to you and say, hey, I want you to pray for healing for me. I want you to pray that I would get this new house or whatever it is. But God hasn't spoken to you and say, I want you to pray for that person for healing. It's one thing we can just know in general we're supposed to pray for that, and that's true. But our prayers look different. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, can you pray for my, for my bad ankle? The first thing I do is say, Father God, is this my, is this my prayer? And if I hear yes, then my prayer is different. I pray for healing right now in the name of Jesus, right now. But if he hasn't or if I don't hear anything, I still pray because I know it's God's character and it's, heart, it's his heart overall to heal people and to provide for them and to bless them. But my prayer is not one of demand. My prayer is, God, I know your heart for this. And I want your will to be done. And so I agree, we call for healing. We want healing. But Lord, it's your will. And so your prayers look different. If you're going to make a demand for healing right now, for a pile of dry bones to come to life, you better know that that prayer is in faith because you heard from God. Because if you don't, the enemy is going to use it against you. He'll use it against you. By the way, brings me to another thing of mine. This is just kind of a a sidebar here. The term's binding and loosing. A lot of people pray, I bind you, Satan. I bind your demons. A lot of people pray like that. That is not biblical prayer. That's not what Scripture says. When the Scripture talks about binding and loosing, binding and loosing are Hebrew terms for permitted, not permitted. That's what that means. And if you look at the scriptures in Matthew, primarily where they are, those terms are used. They're not talking about authority over demons and driving out demons. So if you say, Satan and your demons, I bind you, they have no reason to listen to you. So let's stop using those terms in that way. Now we do have authority. Again, I'm gonna teach about this later. We have authority over spiritual realms, over demons, by what Jesus has given us. So we can command them to flee. We can command their voices to be silent. We can command a lot of things that Scripture gives us the ability to command, but we cannot bind them. The only time they're ever bound is in Revelation, when we see in the ultimate battle, and Satan is finally bound in chains. We see that. But that's not our authority to do. Let's quit using that kind of terminology. Okay, now I'm going to talk about healing. Healing specifically, and the reason I throw it in here with spiritual warfare is because that is one of Satan's original, original tactics, was, was sickness and death. James 5.15 says, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Again, look at the phrase, offered in faith. How do we get faith? We hear from God. The prayer offered because you heard God tell you to will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. We need to pray those kinds of prayers in faith. So when we're dealing specifically with, with demons then, with Satan and his demons, we need to pray, yes, we can pray for strength to resist, first of all, this is something anytime we think that we have a spiritual warfare issue going on, our first prayer should be for the strength and the power to resist, which we've already been given. But we can ask this, Matthew 26:41 says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we can call upon Jesus' authority to stand against demons. And anytime we're going to go into prayer for healing or spiritual warfare, that should be one of the first things that we pray for, is that very strength to overcome the schemes of the enemy. Luke 10.19, one of my favorite scriptures, says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. This is Jesus imparting that authority. That's the authority that we have over demons. They cannot hurt us. They can lie to us. They can do all kinds of different things. But if we have the renewed mind of Christ and we can recognize his lies, he's got no power over us. And we are promised ultimately that nothing will hurt you. So, again, can the enemy use our prayer against us? I heard an immediate yes. That is true. The enemy can use our prayers against us. So what does this look like? This looks like when we don't pray those prayers offered in faith. And we go in and we decide, I'm just gonna pray healing because I know I'm supposed to. I command you to rise and walk right now. And it doesn't happen. Who gets discouraged over that? The person gets discouraged. You get discouraged. Anybody watching gets discouraged. And it's one thing to say, okay, in God's time, I've just prayed over it. I know I'm supposed to, but in God's timing, this will happen. But that doesn't stop the fact that the enemy is going to use that against you. And everybody who saw it happen, that little interaction, and go, maybe Jesus doesn't heal. Maybe he's not a healer. Maybe maybe Satan's winning this one, and you're just you've sinned too much for, for Jesus to heal. He'll use that, even more subtle is the difference in outcome. The outcome that we expect when we pray and the outcome that God has in answer for our prayers don't always line up. God bless me and my family right now. To us, it looks like a full bank account and a nicer house and maybe that job that we've been pursuing. But maybe what it looks like to God is I will bless you by helping you fight your way through this battle you still have to go through the battle. But God promises that he will use everything for our good. And so that's the faith that we can have because that's a promise from him. So yes, we don't want to give the enemy any kind of a foothold for discouragement. And this happens when we don't pray according to the Spirit. But when we do pray according to the Spirit, we can avoid that every single time. Praying according to the Spirit is simply hearing from God. Our prayers need to be bold, yes, but also humble and Spirit-led. Very important. James 4.3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Okay, spend it on your pleasures literally means just whatever you want. In some cases, that pleasure is... I really want to see that person healed. doesn't mean you have these nefarious reasons for your prayer. Like, I just want a million dollars so I can show everybody I went to high school with that I made it. Okay? That's what our mind immediately goes to here. But it could mean, I want everybody in this room to be healed right now. But if you haven't heard from God, then it's what you want. Not necessarily what he wants, or more importantly, when he wants it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this into action right now. We're going to pray for one another. We are going to, as a body, pray for one another. And here's how this is going to look. Okay, first of all, let me just read a quick scripture. James 5, 13 to 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. And therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray to one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So I'm going to lead us in a couple of prayers, but here's how this is going to work. We have these two microphones. You know what? We didn't turn these microphones on a bit. This one's on? Cool. Is this one on? Is this one on? Yes. So I want you to be bold. I want you to be bold, and everyone here who has a prayer request, whether it's for healing or for a better job or for relationships anything that you want to bring to the Lord, I want you to be bold enough to stand up in front of this body and walk up and speak it into the microphone. Okay, we're not going to take turns and like, okay, just stand up and come up and do it on both sides. And here's what I want you to do. Those of you who are listening to these things, I want you to pray, Lord, is this my burden? Because we'll all pray together at the end in corporate agreement. But God is going to use specific people to put a burden on their heart, to pray for a specific person and their issue. So if someone comes up and they're praying for a new job and you're sitting in your seat and you say, I really feel a burden to pray for that. Focus your prayers there. Focus your prayers there because the prayers of a righteous man are effective. And a prayer offered in faith. So if God tells you, I want you to pray for that person, do it because you are the one that heard from God. Not someone else. And if you don't do it, maybe that prayer goes unanswered at that moment. Your prayer will be effective and powerful if God spoke it to you. So that's how we're going to do it. There'll be some come up giving prayer requests, and there will everybody else, including those who pray, who give requests, I want you to pray for that specifically. Okay, does that make sense to everybody? Okay, we're going to do that, and then I'll lead us through the rest of that. But the first thing I want to do is just lead us in a prayer of repentance Okay, because we want to be righteous when we come to the Lord. So let's repent of anything that we've done that would hinder our prayers, anything that would put us not in the right place to where we could say we are righteous before God, and we lift our prayers to him. So join me in this prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us to to bring your very power to bear upon the, the sickness and the poverty, and the fear, and everything that goes on with your people in spiritual warfare, everything the enemy throws at us, God, you have made a way for us to overcome. And your way is that you use us. And so, Father, we come to you in humility. We ask for your forgiveness for those things that we have done or said that do not honor you those thoughts that we have had that don't line up with your thoughts, Father, we repent of those. Lord, we want more of you. We want to be the perfect reflection of who you are. So Father, we repent of anything that we have ever done or said that is not lining up with that, with your identity in us, who you say we are. And Father, you say that we are powerful. You say that we are victorious in you. And that's what we want. So, Father, use us. Use us to bring heaven to earth. Use us to create miracles here on earth through your power. And, Father, we just lift our requests up to you. We lift our requests up to you, and we ask that you, just be, that you help us to be bold. Help us to be bold and come forward and share them with this body so that your will can be done. We pray this in Jesus' name amen. All right, so we're just going to play a little music in the background, and I want you to get up right now and start moving. If you have any kind of prayer request, please go up to the microphone and just speak it into the microphone. You can start doing that right now. And the rest of you, ask the Holy Spirit, is this my burden?
1: So my prayer request is for my aunt. Her name is Amy. She's been diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer. She's been receiving chemo treatment and Um, Just
0: this morning, I heard word that they have found a bad bad infection in her body that she's
1: fighting.
2: Um, I would like to pray. Um, My name is Robin, for those of you who don't know me. Um, For my son, Lele, um, we're trying to get an emergency motion for him to get court-ordered therapy. Um, He's a victim of trauma. He has PTSD related to being an orphan. Um, in Haiti, and he's um, run away three times in the the last month and is making some really um, dangerous choices for himself. Thank you.
3: Thanks.
0: All right, I know there's more. You don't have to wait for one. You can all just come line up if you want to. Okay, I'd
2: like to have prayer for my parents. My father's going through um, a lot of health issues. He's in his 80s, and um, that's difficult enough, but my mom, trying to do all this, they live in New Mexico. I just would like prayer, not only for my dad's health issues to smooth out, but for my mom to have um, support, to feel that support um, beyond just people, but from from God, for her to feel that peace. My name is Charlie, and uh, I'm going through kind of a nasty divorce. So I'm just praying that I can maintain my faith and not lose hope in times when it feels very, very hard. Um, but God has provided some amazing provisions and I just continue to pray that he has a plan and a direction for this whole thing. So please continue to pray. Thank
1: you. you. I'm Cheryl. I think most of
2: you know me. Um, I just need healing. I feel like I'm falling all the time. And I come to church, and then the rest of the week, I'm down, and I just need the Lord to touch me. Thank you. Um, My name is Nell. Uh, There's been a generational issue in our family between mothers and daughters for at least three generations that I can see, and... It's been about 15 years that my daughter and I have been really close, like we used to be. And I know my ex-husband has something to do with it, but it's not really the root of it. It's something else. So I have a 10-year-old granddaughter that I've met only once. And it's just heartbreaking to see this continue. Without knowing, I mean, literally prayed all over the country, in churches, any place we've ever gone, I've prayed for the Lord to do something. There's just, there's just no breakthrough yet. Okay. And so I, once again, just try to put my faith out there yeah. okay. to see what he'll do next. Thank you. Thanks.
0: go home and
1: wish that you had. Hi, I'm Greg, um, I got laid off from my job about two months ago and I just need some prayers for a right job opportunity to come around. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you.
2: Just prayers for, for healing in our heart during really, really deep grief from losing my brother.
1: My name's Christopher, and I was went through a divorce three and a half years ago. And my daughter um, Shannon has been uh, rejecting me uh, since she was 14. She's 18 now, and there's still no uh, reconciliation uh, between the two of us. And I just pray for her her heart, uh, transferred emotions, and uh, pathological enmeshment with her mother. Thanks. Uh,
2: My name is Bonnie. Uh, uh, my husband is in home hospice now and I just want prayer for him, uh, as he goes through this difficult time and for strength for me, we have a little support from the hospice people and a couple of friends, but you know, it's an ongoing thing. Um, I love this church. I love the people here and I value it very much. And, uh, I, yeah, so just pray for us and pray that, uh, That he will give me strength as we go through the final days of his life. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name's Andrea. I don't know any of you. (laughs) Um, It's my first time here. Um, I actually came for the coffee and didn't realize it was (laughs) a church. Um, I'm pretty terrified because I don't open up very easily, um, but I just felt called to come and say, I was an administrator at a church a few years ago, and we went through a pretty nasty church split that I've never been a part of before. Um, At the same time, I was a part of a Bible study that I have now, it was unaffiliated with the church, but I have come to realize that it was not biblical. And it actually dealt with this exact topic um, about our authority in the spiritual realm. And I have not really come to church in the last year. Um, And so I've still been struggling with a lot of healing from everything that happened with both of those experiences that happened at the same time. So, just coming back to church has been pretty terrifying for me, even though I've been in church my whole life. So, if I could just have prayer for healing.
0: Amen.
1: My name is Bob, and I'm relatively new here. I know some of you, um, but... uh, I relate to the coffee comment, by the way. (laughs) Um, I wanted to uh, uh, put up a prayer regarding my oldest son. I raised two boys, and uh, my wife spoke earlier about her daughter and granddaughter, and uh, the same thing basically has happened to me fairly recently. Uh, My oldest son and I have always been very close, but he's gotten into a lot of uh, I don't mean these to sound judgmental, but a lot of new age kind of strange stuff really pulled away from the Lord the way he was brought up and pulled away from me. So that's a long story, but I am I would praying to get that relationship back and get get him to come back to the Lord um, in a way that, that we all need to. So I appreciate Thank that. You. Thank, you. Thank you. Hi there. My name is Gary. And... I have for a long time had a variety of ailments and I haven't really ever asked for all of that to be healed except for through myself. And so I would just ask that any or all of these, what I guess is chronic type things, would be taken away and anything related to those things. Yes. Amen. Thank you.
3: Um, I have a, a six-year-old boy, Down syndrome, um, <coughs> and we've been trying to get him to eat, but he has a. Uh, um, he had first surgery, so every time he ate, he didn't want to eat. And we're still trying to get him to eat, but he's, I mean, he's coming along, but not. He still has an aversion to food, so. I pray, I pray that he'll have desire for eating because he's he's going to be seven and and I know it takes time but I want him to be eating normal like a normal little boy and you know we, we're doing as we can but I just want to eat just eat anything like a little boy so,
0: thank you, Nancy.
2: That's my prayer request. Hi there, my name's Kim, and I'm pretty new here. Um, my son-in-law was just laid off of work the other day. His name is Matt. So, prayers for he and my daughter, for a new job, and for them to come back to church. Okay. Thank you.
3: Absolutely.
2: One last one. Yes. Okay. Um, Please pray for my son who suffers from PTSD from the wars and all our men and women who suffer from PTSD because we never know what's going on and sometimes
1: they just need prayer and lifting up.
0: Very much. Thank you.
1: Hi, I'm Sonia. Um, Most of you know that my husband and I are in the process of adoption and um, we've hit a lot of heartbreak a lot, and I just pray that going forward, we can find the right opportunity that God will bring us the child that he has for us. Yes. Amen. Thank you.
2: I just uh, would like to request prayer for my family members, extended family members, um, for uh, generational abuse um, that has been in the bloodlines uh, that they would be set free, um, praying for their deliverance from captivity that the enemy has had over all of their lives for years, and just praying that that would be broken off, and especially um, for all of them, but especially my dad, uh, who was a pastor at one point in time, uh, just praying for him to be set free and to enter into his full healing and restoration. Amen, thank you. Hi, my name is Karen. I'm just would like some prayer for healing. I've been dealing with like a decompressed neck and I've been getting um, some chiropractor and dry kneeling and it's been helping. And you know, doctors just want to give you opioids, which I won't do, so it's working and I just want prayer for that. And I also would like to thank everybody who's been praying for Mike. He's got a new job tomorrow, so he will
1: be back here at church.
0: All right, nice, nice. All right. I was going to pray for people individually, but I uh, we've gone long and I don't want to quench what the Holy Spirit wants to do, so I appreciate your patience with us. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray together corporately. If you prayed specifically for healing, worship team, you guys can go ahead and head up. If you specifically asked for healing, could you go to the back of the sanctuary where Weston is? Weston, raise your hand. Scripture says elders will pray over you and anoint you with oil. So if you specifically prayed for healing, would you go back there with Weston and just have have him and the rest of the prayer team back there? Bear, would you mind as an elder of the church to join? And pray specifically for healing over there. But for the rest of us, would you just join me in this prayer of corporate agreement that God can do anything, and he will. So, Father God, we just thank you, Lord. First of all, I thank you for the boldness of those who came up to share their words of prayer, their desperate cries from their heart that, God, they need you And they need your power, not any wisdom from doctors, not any earthly thing that we could ever do, but God, they need you. Many of these issues have been going on for way too long, but God, we stand together as a body in agreement that you are good and you are powerful and you want the best for us. And so God, we agree that we cry out to you together to answer these prayers to heal these bodies that need healing to help with jobs to help with relationships to help people who are struggling with their own spiritual battles every single day Father we lift you up in this place and we know that you can do anything and so we look forward to the amazing testimonies that will come of your greatness and your power and your mercy in action and those who have been burdened to pray for specific individuals, I wanna just encourage you to continue to do that. Continue to lift that prayer up because we want to see the miraculous in this place and it happens through you. So Father God, we thank you for all that you have done here and all that you will continue to do. We pray for continued healing for those who are receiving that prayer. And we look forward to the testimony in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So those of you who lifted up prayer requests, I want you to remember those requests. If you got a burden to pray for somebody, I want you to remember that burden. Write it down. Because the enemy, if he loses the battle to where somebody's prayers are answered and they're healed, okay, if he loses that individual battle, he will still try and snatch it away so that you won't speak that to anyone else. The power comes in when we share those with others. In Revelation, it says they have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. In weeks to come, we're going to share testimonies of the response from this day. So journal it. Write it down. Remember it. Don't let the enemy steal it away because God is good all the time. So... That's all I have for you. We've gone way over. We're gonna have communion and if you need to leave after that, you can. The worship team is gonna play on. Here we do communion. If you you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're welcome to partake in communion with us. At the crosses, we have self-serve with juice uh, and crackers and bread and you can just dip it in and and serve yourself that way. Or up front here, Gabe and I will be up front and we have wine and bread and crackers and we would be happy to serve you. Let's do this with thankfulness and humble hearts because of what Jesus Christ did for us. We have access to bring the very power of God to earth. Amen? Thank you, church.
1: You were
3: near Though I was distant. This I was lost and insecure Still merciful For my attention You were waiting at the door And I let you He carried all the blame, breaking the curse of our condition, perfection to God. You just this thing. No.